Hey everyone, in this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we're going to do part two of the Mandalorian slash sci-fi guns. But before we get into talking about really cool guns from the collection that we think would be fantastic sci-fi pieces, we actually did the first Mandalorian episode without looking at what the actual guns were. And like while we were on it, on a couple of them, we missed a whole we host missed of a other ton. ones. So Danny has IMFDB up because that is That's how you do our this. Hollywood god. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny, what did we miss? Uh, we miss, well, I've mentioned the Ruger standards were in like something that looked like them were in there. They're you in thought, there. yeah, and so you were right on that guess. The one that I didn't get was a Nambu. Like, what? why'd you say it like that? I don't know, a Nambu. 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 You were like Nambu. Nam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> um, Astra four hundreds. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um, Sterling SMG. Yeah, that one. That one's always been in like That's the Star true. Wars universe. But we didn't say it. I thought we did. Did we say Sterling? I don't know. Sure it was a couple weeks ago, and I do not remember what we talked about. Anyways, um, the Luger's in there. Steyr, 1912s. That's a weird one. Solid. Uh, Webley and Scott. A, that weird air pistol yeah, that we, I can't pronounce. Yeah, the air pistols. Acaclis. Um, <laughs> there's a Bren. There's a Bren gun. A Bren gun. And we missed that one. There's a bunch of air pistols. Yeah. Um, the one we did get, we got the Winchester 87, but then there's also... A Dragonov and an Ottoman musket that we missed. So like, we're just all over the place with. Did our you say the Webley? Head. Yeah. Oh. So we're just like all over the place with the guns that we missed, which I think it's a really interesting lineup. Like, that's a lot of 20th century firearms represented there, and 19th century. And 19th century, and that kind of goes to I think what we talked about in part one, which was you know the fact that you know, like old guns tend to be super crazy sci-fi things. Yeah, and so this got us thinking. After we did the episode, we talked about it for a little while, and we're like, really, the follow-up isn't just talking about the other guns used in Mandalorian, because um, we can all go and look and see on IMFDB um, and see what was. So let's have a little more fun with this and think about guns from our collection, historic guns from our collection, that would make good sci-fi guns. Did we talk about this at all on the last podcast? No. Or is that just all our conversation? That was our conversation record? afterwards. Because I was thinking about, like, I was like, oh, this feels like deja vu real bad. The problem is everybody's going to listen to this episode in, like, close order, and we didn't record them in this order. No, <laughs> so man. It, we people are going to be like, oh, you guys are dummies. All right. So um, first one, Pugsley anti-tank rifle. Yeah, that's the... Oh, that's why we talked about it, because we talked about how it looks like the butt of the Mando right. Mando's gun. Yeah, so Mando carries this slug rifle and it looks the stock of that gun looks almost identical to the stock that is on the very distinctive Pugsley anti-tank rifle. Yes, Ashley. I'm raising my hand. A Dardic pistol. Oh. Yeah, a Dardic would be a good one. That one looks kinda weird. But I like I kinda like the one. But ones a Tround that, is very sci fi. Yeah, Trown's super sci fi. A Trown would look round. really good like on like their all those bandoliers those guys oh are wearing. Oh my gosh. Trowns would look cool. That, well, up like and that. so uh, you so the trowned if you're not if you don't know what we're talking about. So uh, Dardic patented a triangular round in the 1950s, and there's a pistol that goes with it. Um, but it's literally, I mean, it's a triangular round. It's a it's a I, I would say a bullet, but sometimes it's uh, fleshettes encased in like a, a polymer, and they're like crazy colors. They're like blue and green and white and. White's not a crazy color, I guess, but, you know, it's it's all the colors or none of the colors. Not colors you expect for ammunition. Yeah, and so that, 
How sick would that be? And the U.S. military, you know, was like, we kind of like these drown things. Yeah. And now they're going back to polymer case demo. Yeah. But Potentially. The, I mean, under Project Salvo, they were right. under their... Oh, <laughs> special purpose individual weapons. <laughs> also, I like that you went into the... Like, explained what a trowned was and what the Dardic was a little bit, but we just said Pugsley anti-tank rifle. Like, everyone will know what that is. Well, we talked about it in the last episode. Oh, okay. okay. You see, this is where we're falling apart. I thought you were going to laugh at the fact that I went from, like, Dardic pistol to trowned to special purpose individual weapons. No, that weapons weirdly makes sense and, like, to me. Weirdly, like, I was impressed by myself. Spews, man. Spews with rounds. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> joke makes so sense. Cool. I wish you all could see the face <laughs> she just made. <laughs> I'm so excited. That would be the coolest freaking thing. That would be really cool. And the special purpose individual weapons are under Project Salvo, post-World War II, experimentations. There's a lot of different kinds. We've got the two of the Winchesters in the collection but there was also there's a couple in the smithsonian collection that look way way different Harrington, and one of the ones that looks different is harrington richardson's which was on loan here for a little bit uh, but yeah spews are like like maybe the government was actually trying to fight aliens with the special purpose individual weapon we'll never know because that's classified all, all right, right your what's turn. up next uh well uh the burton obviously <laughs> obviously and it's already in video games so yeah like... the Burton's in video games it's you know for those of you who don't know it's a top fed twin magazine assault rifle mm. um, from World War One. Uh, it's blowback <laughs> fires 345 Burton Winchester project from World War One. we know almost nothing about it officially well, nobody knows like anything about it because some guy wrote an article in the '80s that said it was a balloon gun, and everybody's gone with that. Except for except for us, we said that was not true. Yeah, I don't think that's true because there there's actual there's some data from Winchester's records that say that we're testing ammunition, and they never tested incendiary ammo. Yeah. So, but you know, who would carry the Burton? Uh, that's a good point. Like it's, it's kind of cumbersome. It is kind of cumbersome. So is the Bugsy any so, tank rifle and Mando's rocket walking around with yeah. one. I think it could work. It would probably need some pretty big changes to be like it could be the basis for a gun. But um, it looks it looks sort of retro future already. Yeah. Would it be too weird, too old new agey to say that um oh not the not the Vietnam era night scope that we have. What's the? Oh, the. Uh, oh my God, my brain just the totally. M three, the T three. Yeah, the T three. Uh, you know, because it's like really old, new age technology, but it looks and it's got that backpack that we yeah. don't have. So like, I feel like I could see some people yeah. with like the backpack and the night vision, but then maybe it's not night vision. It's like something. Yeah, it's some other. Like it sees through your soul or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that one would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you could do some things to make the M1 carbine look a little funky. Yeah. yeah. I get that. I'm surprised there – have there been M1 carbines in Star Wars movies? I mean – I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. I feel like you could totally pull that off. You could. Um, um, all right. Let's see how far back – what's the oldest gun in the collection you think could work? Oh, uh, <laughs> the Dog Lock Earl of Meath four-barrel gas-sealed gun. Should I explain that more? Yeah, you got to explain that more. Okay, so we have this gun. I think it was 1600s. Mm -hmm. um, it's a dog lock, meaning that it's kind of like a flint lock, but instead of it like 
um, having its normal half cock position um, that just stands up on its own. The dog is like a catch that's external on the lock plate. So you pull the hammer back. I said hammer. Um, You pull the cocking mechanism back and then you lock it into place. So um, that's all pretty old technology, not necessarily Star Wars-y. But um, it's crazy because it's got this like cross configuration of four barrels that make like, um, like the first aid symbol. And... What happens is there's this other rear janky piece that you take, that you remove from the grip of it, and it causes the barrels to spin so you can rotate it. But what, but what happens is half of the barrel is like stationary, and these four barrels rotate around. And so the stationary barrel is not stationary because it moves out of the way, but it doesn't, you know spin and then it seals back together when you look when you put that um, little janky piece back into the grip and I just think that like I don't know maybe like it wouldn't necessarily be a gun but like a throwing star you know like mm. you could you could shoot out the four barrels and then you, you throw it like it starts to spin you know and it's like pew 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 all right I'll buy that I was gonna think I'm so, pulling all of this stuff out of my butt right now I'm just like, I have two <laughs> ideas for like oldest gun okay. one I was gonna say So there's this, whenever we talk about the Hall rifle, somebody like without, like invariably says, didn't they, couldn't you take the action apart and use it as a pistol? And there's like one recorded instance of it happening and it's super uncommon, but everybody knows that story if they know the Hall rifle. (laughs) Everybody knows that story. The qualifier is you already have to know what a Hall rifle is. Um, But I think you could actually take that story from like a Dragoon on the Frontier that put one a loaded hall action in his pocket. Like you could turn that into a cool like last ditch sci-fi western gun. Like cuz it's just like it looks like this really blocky, chunky, weird thing when it's not in the rifle and that would be cool. Or a swivel breech American long rifle as like Yeah, those are pretty sick. Cuz they already cuz the stocks don't look that conventional on them already. And they flip over, like you could do a cool action sequence with them flipping over, I think. Well, in that vein, any shoots in stock could probably be a cool sci-fi. Yeah. Um, Liberator shotgun, of course. Yeah, the Liberator shotgun, that's a a clear candidate for it. Um, Should we explain what that is, Danny? Go for it. The Liberator shotgun was developed off of the concept of the Liberator pistol. And... Danny's dying. I can't take you seriously. Yeah. Um, but the the point was it was supposed to be an insurgency weapon, and it was silly cheap to make, and it was a four-barrel pistol-looking shotgun. Each round fired one at a time and had a rotating firing pin, but they just look. And the, the prototype that's made of wood is painted, like, green, so it's mm-hmm. almost, like, got that real, I don't know, Star Wars-y vibe. But it was originally meant they were hoping maybe it could be applied um, – in areas like like Cuba, um, and then they tested it for Vietnam, but ultimately it wasn't implemented. So it's now just sitting there waiting for Harrison Ford to be like, "I like it." <laughs> I don't think he makes the call on which of the guns or not, but he saves people. His character is already dead, also. But nobody's like really dead. But they they could do a prequel. Another one? Uh huh. I don't know. It's Disney. I know, but like. I don't know. Also, spoiler alert. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know what other kind of gun I would like to see in sci-fi, Star Wars-y types? Of, a early lever action. Like Volcanic or Smith & Wesson. Oh. Or maybe Henry. 
I thought I was like, didn't we say that there was a lever action? But well, there's a lever action. Early. There's a Winchester. Well, then why not just go totally weird and do the freaking Hunt volitional? Yeah, that one. That one is like ready made. That one could just be a sci-fi gun right now, as is. Yeah. Because it's already. It doesn't look like what we think of as a gun. Yeah, it's weird. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even describe it. Like I can't even describe it. It's so weird. There's only one known in existence, and we have it. Or so basically, Hollywood. You know, so. Like, 1840s, 1850s, that's your time frame. Yeah. Because there's this, the Jennings rifles that come after it would look pretty good. Uh, Volcanic or Henry, I think, would look pretty good as a sci-fi gun. And, you know, you know, it's funny that you pointed that time frame out. You know, you, you want to know why so many sci-fi guns, my theory of why so many sci-fi looking guns happened during that time period? Mm-hmm. So the Standardization of the Patent Act of 1836 and in the United States uh, really is finally kind of reformed to the point where it makes sense to take out legal U.S. patents. Mm -hmm. And so, like, basically people already, like, took their patents out on the normal shit, you know, revolvers and stuff. And so you had to get really creative in order to make do something new but not infringe on anybody's patents. So you get turret rifles and, you know, all kinds of weird things. And I think that it's because of that weird moment of uh, uh, ingenuity where you can't necessarily infringe on someone's patent, but then at the same time you're trying to develop, you know, far superior, you know, firepower technology, repeaters and making it more affordable, you get a lot of, like, attempts at something. And then, and then at the same time, I'm just going to keep going. That's why... Some of the like a lot of the ones I said initially were all post World War II period because they're all sci fi lucky too because they're trying to do something completely different in material use. Well, and that's the segue Ooh. into what I thought about. We were talking about it. First off, <laughs> Ashley will talk about the Patent Act whenever she gets a chance, <laughs> and this is the furthest stretch I've ever seen you make with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, I'm going to talk about the Patent Act. And I was like, in my head, I was like, is Danny going to call me out? Yeah. But it was a good, it was a good. It's, no, I it buy worked, it. Like, I get it. It works, but you will do it. The Patent Act is like my favorite act in American history. Yeah. What's my least favorite act? NFA. <laughs> I was not sure where that was going. Um, so one of the reasons we know these guns as Star Wars guns, or we know what Star Wars looks like, is actually because of like just what happens to be on the arms market when George Lucas goes to make it. Like the story as relayed to me by because George Lucas. Little known fact: George Lucas was alive in the 1850s. <laughs> no, I'm getting there. We know Star Wars because Lucas is looking to make his movie in the 70s, and this is somewhat of my own sort of supposition about this, and as relayed to us from somebody that works in the movie industry. But he goes to make his movie in the 70s, and he doesn't have money yet, and not a lot of studios are sure if this is going to be a thing, so he has to kind of fund this on a tight budget, and the he actually goes to a prop house in the UK, as far as I know the story. I have no idea. You've done more research than I. I'm just relaying the story from, like I said, somebody that works in the, in the industry, but um, he goes to a prop house in the UK, and what do they have available for cheap? And it's surplus Enfields and surplus Lewis guns and some SCGs and stuff. And now we know, like, a Lewis gun is an iconic piece of Star Wars guns. And, like, basically unaltered MG-34s. Like, that's an Imperial gun. Like, we all know that now when we watch Star Wars. But, you know, it's that's what World War II was over. All those guns were surplused out. They were cheap and available. And that's what was available 
for him when he was making these movies. And they, to their credit, they turned these guns into very believable sci-fi Western space opera guns. But it's really just those happen to be around. And I now, started hearing ladies singing in my head. <laughs> space opera. Uh, so that was a really poignant point, And now I'm going to make a stupid observation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, As we do. If Star Wars took place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, could we then say that they actually invented all of those guns and all these guns we're talking about are just inspired by some crazy archival documents somebody found about these former people? I mean, supposedly before Disney took it over, in the old expanded universe, there was a connection in the Star Wars universe to Earth. So that's stupid. I'm just brilliant. <laughs> uh, it's no longer canon, though. Whatever. Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's your defense for anything when you get stuck. Yeah, well, I'm going to drink my chalky milk thing. and have some chicken nuggets, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, what else? Um. All right, so we've talked about, let's see, Liberator, the Pugsley, stuff, the Burton, stuff. the Spew, uh, the Carbine, Lever Actions. I am, like, all about the Spew. I think that, like, they need to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Spew what would a, be perfect. They should probably, like, go into old government, try, like, that's, like, where they should get all of their concepts. Yeah, it's not a bad idea because when you look at, like, things. what, I mean, like, just look at the M1 Carbine Trials, which is ostensibly uh, a pretty. Uh, are you talking about the M1 Carbine Trials? Yeah. You talk about those about as much as I talk about the Patent Act, so there we go. Oh, uh, not even. Um, it's true. But anyways, that's a relatively conventional set of guns that are presented, but even those are some weird, some weird-looking things. <laughs> you I don't know what I said. to make up a word, but then you caught yourself so you wouldn't do it. Fine. I won't talk about the carbine trials. We'll go all the way back to the 1892 rifle trials and look at a bunch of bolt actions that are submitted, and eventually we pick the Craig, but all the other ones that were submitted other than like the Enfields and the Mausers, there's like 50 guns in those trials and they're all weird. Is there a minigun in Star Wars? There was one in Mandalorian. I didn't read it off the list because I didn't want to read every single Oh, one. you're right. There was a minigun. How did I forget that? Yeah. Because I remember being like, yeah. So it could, happened. I just forgot. It's been a few months. <laughs> go retro. They should use it in 1883. Yeah, that'd be cool. But it wouldn't be as fast. Yeah, would would a Star Wars Gatling gun be powered or cranked, hand cranked? Uh, it would have to be powered. I don't, I don't see it being. I cranked. guess we are the one in Mandalorian was powered, so we already know the answer. Yeah, <laughs> we're bad at this. Uh, I think that might be time. <laughs> All right, so that's our take on guns of Star Wars, and we hope you found it. Sci-fi guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're dreaded. Sign out. <laughs> But part two of The Mandalorian, Star Wars, slash sci-fi. Um, so what we're really trying to say is Hollywood. Call holla, us. Holla at, at us. Holla at you. <laughs> Slide into our DMs. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, we're done. Talk to you all later.